And now, Fastened Like Nails with Dr. Mark Hamby. Welcome to Fastened Like Nails. I'm Mark Hamby in the studio. Next to me, I've got my co-host, Molly Mayo. Hello. Molly, we've had so much fun recently, haven't we? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. and I love when we have okay. guests. Mm -hmm. And Mike Card is sitting next to me to my right. Mike, it's been a joy. Thank mm -hmm. you. Yeah. Good golly, Miss Molly. <laughs> yes. I saw her this morning. I got out of the car. I started. <laughs> it was, That's right. She carried the guitar fun. for you. Yeah. 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 And she said, my mom used to say that. She's, uh, your mom's old like me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was funny to hear. <laughs> and Mike's been teaching all week at our Master's Guild, teaching mm -hmm. uh, the Gospels, and uh, particularly yesterday taught the voices of, yeah, of Jesus. That was mm -hmm. so good. We're going to get into that a little bit today. It's crazy. And the time just has flown by. It's like tomorrow's your last day. Yeah. It's yeah. Crazy. I thought, Whoa. Tomorrow's I your the last same day. Thing. Yeah. That is crazy. Because when I started, I go, how, how in the world am I going to fill up all this time? <laughs> like, like five whole days. I don't have that much content. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have an abundance of content. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we're excited about what we're about to share. I'm going to just kind of review just slightly. This is for you. Yesterday, Molly and I shared about the three specific times that Jesus went to the temple. Mm -hmm. And he the first time is in John 2. And he says, Tears it up. my father's house, mm -hmm. um, he calls it his father's house. The second time he goes to the temple, he calls it my house. Mm. First time is my father's house. Second time is it's my house. <clears throat> the third time he goes there, this is very interesting, calls it my house again. But this time he goes to Bethpage and Bethany, mm -hmm. both places, both towns. One is the, the house of figs. The other is the house of dates. Mm -hmm. Both sweet fruit. Mm. The sweet fruit of praise from the lips, according to Hebrews 13. Now, listen to this. Jesus is looking for fruit in the temple. And what does he do? He drives out all the money changers. He doesn't find fruit there. The, the house is a house of prayer, mm -hmm. prayer that leads to fruitfulness. Mm -hmm. And he leaves the temple, comes back the next morning, and guess what he says next? Your house is left unto you desolate. Mm, interesting. My father's house. That's when he curses the fig tree? Yeah. Yeah. Curses mm -hmm. the fig tree because yeah. there's no fruit and there's only leaves on it. Yeah. And um, people are living in hypocrisy. They're they're not really fruit bearers in the temple, casting yeah. everything out. So my father's house, your no, my father's house, my house, now your house. Mm, wow. Isn't that just the coolest? Yeah, that is cool. I, I, yeah. Don't you love discovering structure? Like that? I know you like structure. Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> Structure's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it great how structure. God has given us all unique? Molly, you read the yeah. scriptures differently than I do. Yeah. Mike, yep. you read it. When, and the Holy Spirit interacts with us and shows us all different things. Mm -hmm. and I, yeah. I, I closed class today saying you you will see things that a guy with a PhD will never see. Mm -hmm. yeah. you know, but because what what's the one unique moment in Jesus' life when he's said to be filled with joy through the Holy Spirit? Mm -hmm. What fills Jesus with joy is that God hides things from the mm -hmm. wise and he reveals them to little children. Wow. That Makes him really happy for yeah. some reason. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah and, and we experience the same thing when people, our students, are listening to us. Yep. And there's that aha moment. <laughs> yeah, you know, like I, I love that. I love yeah. the, Molly. Mm -hmm. Those are my greatest moment, moments yeah. in the classroom when you could just, especially this was Molly her first first semester. Molly would do this. I'm doing my, <laughs> my hands exploding <laughs> on my head, but <laughs> yes, I, I love watching that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so so you're teaching on the voices of Jesus. Um, what what is that? The voices of Jesus. Well, it, it, we're we're looking at the the four faces of Jesus in the four different mm. gospels, okay. and the idea 
being that the they're all they're all nuanced in in a, in 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 very significant ways, and sometimes we're taught well Matthew, Mark, and Luke; those are the synoptics. That's you know they're kind of that's that's all the same thing, mm-hmm. and then John's ninety two percent unique, so John's really different. But what I'm trying to say is no, they're all different. They there are. are things that Mark is interested mm-hmm. in that Matthew couldn't doesn't is just not interested. He could care less. In. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and so they're they're portrayals of Jesus and their backgrounds. The, the, the communities that they're writing to, it's all different, and the, they really, if, at least for me, it really makes the Gospels come alive. Okay, so who's Mark writing to? Well, Mark Mark is one of the most interesting backgrounds uh, because Mark is really the Gospel of Peter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter calls Mark my son, mm-hmm. okay? And mm-hmm. uh, what we have in, in uh, Eusebius, the first collector of church histories, is the, the, the people in the church in Rome, they came to Mark and—, and it's not going to be long till Peter, you know, is going to be killed. And they said, please mm-hmm. write down his testimony, mm-hmm. what's going on. And in, in Second Peter, what does he say? He says, I'm doing everything I can so that when I'm gone, you'll be able to remember these yes. things. Yes. He's walking, mm-hmm. he's talking with Mark, yeah. and they're putting together the Gospel of Mark. So I tell my class, okay, that's, that's a detail, but what does that detail mean? Well, when, when you read the Gospel of Mark— uh, the, the, the influence of Peter is all over Mark. Jesus is, the emotions of Jesus are, Jesus is far more emotional in Mark. He gets madder in Mark. In John, he's fairly unemotional. Hmm. But in Mark, he, he gets mad. He's filled with compassion. He looks around in anger. He tells people strictly, don't do this. And, hmm. and hmm. I think that's a reflection of Peter. But, <laughs> totally um, what's, the, what's the thing about immediately? Immediately this happened. Mark's like, immediately. Everything well, happens immediately. Yeah. It, well, that, that's, I think that's part of the simplicity of his gospel. It's the Greek word uthos. Mm. And I think he uses it 11 times in the first chapter. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. And when we translate, if you translate that literally, it becomes, it sounds boring, yeah. right? <laughs> immediately Jesus did this and then he got him out and immediately did this and immediately. And I think it's, it's part of, um, well, I'll say this. The Gospel of John is elegant. Mm. Mm. The Gospel of Mark has a simplicity and a starkness about it. And mm. I think the way he keeps mm. saying uh, there, there's a, there's a word I can't, I can't paraphrastic. There's a big word for that style where, and then we did this, and then we did that, mm. and it's, it's, it's mm. a simpler literary style. Mm, interesting. And and that's, I think that's what, what you would expect from someone who's sitting down and simply writing down what another person is telling him. In John, you have a guy who's preached these things for fifty years, mm. and mm. so it's elegant and it comes together in themes. And there, there, there are things obviously in John that aren't that Mark's not interested in. John's interested in in, uh, in different things, and that's that that's fascinating to me. One of the keys to Mark, though, is the life situation. Mark, we know, was written to Christians and who were, who were suffering persecution. Right. They were blamed for the fire in Rome, mm-hmm. and and the Nero, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nero sixty four, and and what what Mark wants you to know is. You Christians who are suffering persecution, being crucified. I mean, he, Nero is lining his garden mm-hmm. with crucified Christians, and when it gets dark at night, he's setting them on fire mm-hmm. for lanterns. Mm-hmm. That's the world the first readers of the Gospel of Mark are living in. Mm-hmm. And so what it's Mark terrible. wants you to know is you're never going to suffer anything that Jesus hasn't suffered. Okay, mm. You need to know Jesus is right there with you. And one of the mm. good examples is uh, that Mark's uh, telling of the temptation story. Mark is not interested in that story, okay? There's no detail. It's two verses. Interesting. There's no turn the stones into bread, leap from the table. None of that is Mm. in Mark. Mark Mm. says one thing. He says when Jesus was in the wilderness, he was with the wild beasts. 
Interesting. So why do you think Mark says that? It's because his first readers are being thrown to wild beasts. Oh, and Mark wants you to know you're never going to experience anything that Jesus had not experienced. This is amazing. Yeah. yeah. Did you hear this earlier? <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Yeah, he taught it in class. Yeah. Whoa. This is Crazy. all from Bill Lane. This isn't my work. This is Bill Lane's work. But, uh, but it, yeah, isn't that interesting? So there's, there's wait, wait, wait. Let me stop you. Let me stop you. I've heard you say that probably over twenty five times already. This is Bill Lane's work. This is Bill yeah, Lane's yeah. work. I, and I know that you were mentored by him for twenty plus years. Yeah. And he is a part of your life. Absolutely. But these things are yours now. I think absolutely. He, yeah, they are. They no one else could teach this. Bill Lane could not teach this. Is it Bill? Yeah. He could not teach this stuff like you're teaching it right now. This is this is God's. Well, God's I'm pretty much copying the way you <laughs> Yeah, oh, I don't know. I just, the way you teach it is so creative and artistic. Well, and I, I, honestly, I learned that from Bill. Now, I don't, I make it my own. I try <clears> to make it, I'm not just yeah. parroting what I heard this no, man I say. Because, it, because it is so interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I find you, the person of Jesus endlessly fascinating. You wear it in your heart. You, well, it comes nice. out your of your voice. And, well, okay, look, go back to the, the He just the, is. The beast. Okay, so, yeah. so when did Mark, so Mark was a turncoat. He took off, right? Wasn't this the same Mark that? He's not a turncoat. He's a young man who doesn't want to go to Perga and okay. everybody else does. And he wants to go home. He's homesick. So I don't, I wouldn't call him a turncoat. Uh, okay. So he didn't run away, but he ran away. I thought, no, he doesn't run away. <laughs> he, he goes home. Yeah, no, no. Mark's not a bad guy. Mark's a good guy, but he's oh, a young good. guy. A, you know who his uncle is? Barnabas. Yeah, I know. Right? He's yeah. the nephew of Barnabas. And so what happens, he and Barnabas then go on mission trips together. After Mark goes home, Barnabas, I think, understands. Barnabas and Paul have an argument about Mark, right? right? right. Mm. Barnabas sides with his nephew, which he should. Yeah. But from that point on, but no, Mark, Mark he okay, continues so. to be a missionary, and Paul and Silas. From that time, it's Barnabas and Mark and Paul and Silas. They, they must split. have been intense, though. They were in I, I think split. it was, and I think that's Paul. I think that's Paul's intensity. <laughs> yeah. He, he doesn't He yeah. doesn't have sympathy for this young man. Uh-huh. You know, Perga mm-hmm. is not the—I don't want to go to Perga. If I'm Mark, I want to go home. Uh-huh. You know, I'm 15, 16 years old. I don't know how old he was. I he wanna, was young. I want to go to Perga. <laughs> well, that's the difference between you and me. I wanna, yeah. Barnabas and... Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, my uncle says, Mike, I understand. Let's go home. Okay. But no, we go like, he, turned, he was to a turncoat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, I think he eventually dies for Jesus, so... You yeah. Know, oh, yeah. Martyred, so. Oh, look at Paul mm-hmm. says at the end of one of his, like, and bring Mark, bring Mark. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Paul comes around full circle. He does. I think Paul, I mean, Mm. Paul was a Pharisee and he was fairly, I'm not a, I mean, it's God's word and it's perfect. Mm -hmm. Paul is not the guy you want to hang out with. Okay. Peter's the guy you want to go have a cup Mm. of coffee with. Paul is, I don't think he was that fun to hang out with, but that's just me. (laughs) Very intense. (laughs) That's it. He's very intense. Yeah, he is intense. Okay. So we've got this, this, so Mark is Peter's gospel. Mm -hmm. Uh, Peter is the one that is really disciple disciples Mark Barnabas yep. disciples Mark mm. Mark is there Mark comes from a rich home too I think yes he does he um, there I think there's every every chance that the Lord's Supper took place at Mark's house I've heard that before yeah. that's amazing yeah. That's, yeah that's really cool yeah oh so the young man that ran out naked we think that's Mark the I I, say, I tell my students you you know don't read Mark because there's nudity in it. Because <laughs> yeah. what happens is, you know, there's this young man. What happens is that soldiers are leaving town to go arrest Jesus. Mm-hmm. They go by Mark's house. Yeah. He's laying in bed. He just wraps a sheet around himself and runs there to warn Jesus. 
gets there too late. The soldiers grab the sheet. He runs away and yeah. runs away naked. What a bizarre though. story. <laughs> it, it is. But, you know, it's so bizarre it could only be true. Nobody yeah, made that yeah. up. Yeah, like, right. Why would that be in the Bible? <laughs> yeah. Unless you're the guy it happened to. Yeah. Unless you're, <laughs> yeah. Unless you're writing about it. <laughs> It's, That's it's in, crazy. It's in the book of Mark. Yeah. So yeah. most likely Mark's writing about himself. Oh, I think I think he was. Yeah. And but I, I do, I think the Lord's Supper, I think in essence the church starts in his house. Wow. So how appropriate is it? I mean, when they're when they're praying for Peter when Peter, Peter's in prison in mm-hmm. Acts twelve, That's it, his they're Mark's, Mark's house. house. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And um mm-hmm. so I, how appropriate that the gos- the writer of the first gospel the church started at his house. Wow. So cool. Yeah. And does, didn't Mark, though, get go to Alexandria? Where, where did the Gospel of Mark end up? For, for, I, I don't know. I mean, the Gospel of Mark was written for Christians in Rome. I, I don't know okay. the background of okay. what happened to him. You okay. Know, okay. So that's Mark. So now let's go to Matthew. Matthew <laughs> yeah. is written, obviously, to a Jewish audience. Yes. It's the most Jewish of all, of all the Gospels written by the worst Jew that Jesus had on his team. Okay. Wow. Divided into five books like the Torah. And one of the hallmarks of Matthew is everything Jesus does has to be substantiated by an Old Testament passage. So Jesus moves to oh, Nazareth. Wow. And there's an Old Testament passage. And, and yeah. so he says, uh, this is to, fu- be, to fulfill what was said. He will be a Nazarene. Wow. Of course, there's, there's no verse that says that. Seriously? No, no. There's no verse that says he will be a Nazarene. <laughs> there's a verse that alludes to the fact that the Messiah will be a rod. And the Hebrew word for rod is netzer. So the only verse we can find that sounds like the verse that he's quoting is that verse. Hmm. Is that in Isaiah? I'm not sure. But, but yeah, so that's Matthew. He he collects uh, – Papias, one of the earliest writers about about all this church history, said that he collected the logia, the sayings of Jesus. And that's what you have in Matthew. I tell people if you have a red-letter Bible, just flip through the pages and there are five big blocks of red Mm. letters. That's the structure of Matthew. Interesting. Yeah. Talk about structure. I like that. Yeah. And 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 after Jesus had finished saying all these things, that's usually the book, the the page marker that says, okay, we're going to the next book. That's so cool because that would be Matthew Matthew chapter 5 through, what, 7. That's that whole section of the law and the prophets and all red the beatitudes. Oh, right. interesting. Right. Okay. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, there was another point I was going to make, but I forgot what it was. Uh, yeah, but, but, uh, but, yeah, Matthew is the most Jewish of all the Gospels. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it was written to, to Jerusalem. We're, to, we're not really sure. We think it was written to – well, we know it was written to Christians who were still in the synagogue. Mm-hmm. And it's written at that point in history when uh, Jewish Christians are starting to be excluded from the synagogue. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's what he wants you to he wants you to understand his his portrayal of of Jesus is that he wants you to understand that Jesus understands you know his own his own family you know excluded mm-hmm. him that sort of thing. So I think at the mm-hmm. ending of it too during the crucifixion and I think there's a section there where he talks about um, the the Roman soldiers you know save yourself you know come down from the cross save yourself and then others say he, he said he him he could have saved. He, if he saved, saved saved others, why can't he save, save himself? himself. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then it's three. It says it three times, and it's interesting. Structure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but what's amazing about that? If he did save himself, he could not have saved others. Right. He he saves others by not saving himself. Yes. That's what Frederick Buechner says. Isn't that beautiful? Mm. Yeah. And that's really the call for our lives. Absolutely. Take him yeah. across and follow him. Yeah, and we looked at class today. We, mm-hmm. we had a list of what I refer to as the non-negotiables. What are the non-negotiables? Jesus says, mm-hmm. if you don't do this, you can't be my disciple. And that's one of them. If you don't mm-hmm. pick up your cross, you can't be my disciples. Mm. That's okay. a non-negotiable. Okay, there's one. If you don't mm-hmm. deny yourself, you can't be my disciple. I can't remember all of them. One of them is you've got to leave your family. Mm-hmm. If you don't leave your family, if you don't uh, leave your possessions— 
If you don't take up, pick up your cross, I forget what you the other saying, two. You're um, saying loving others, loving him. Yeah, you have to love. Yeah, you have to love others. There's mm-hmm. no, cho- you know, you, you mm-hmm. that's not an option. Yeah. Yeah. See, Molly was listening in class. It was there a good class. <laughs> Uh, okay, so that brings us to. Apparently, I wasn't listening. But <laughs> you had a lot of inf- You have a lot of information. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Praise God, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I want to see for you and your generation. Mm. You guys take up that mantle and mm-hmm. and be filled. We want to fill you, but then from there, you continue the study. You find mm-hmm. the stuff that we haven't found yet. Yeah, and that's the cool thing, isn't it? You'll see things in Scripture that I've never seen, mm. and um, that's to me was one of the most rewarding things is when somebody will come up and say, well, what about this? Look, he did this, and I'll, <laughs> I never saw that. Yeah. In yeah. fact, um, I, I don't know her name, one of the young ladies in class, mm-hmm. she made some point in class, and I thought, mm-hmm. I never thought of that. Mm-hmm. It was so, you know, and think, here's what you do. You, you probably do this, Mark. Then you teach it like you thought of it. <laughs> <laughs> Always. <laughs> I think one of the one of my joys of life was when Molly one day we were studying the measuring cup and I just kind of just blew by it. It was just like it's a measuring cup. With what measure you meet, it'll be mm-hmm. measured to you again. Okay, go on. And then Molly goes like, No, no, no. I think it means something different. And I'm going like, and my thought was, Okay, it, Molly, it's it's a measuring. It's, that, what, what measure you meet, it'll yeah. be measured to you again. And I'm like. Okay, let's just keep moving. Molly's like, no, no, I think it means. I said, well, you study it on your own time, and you <laughs> tell me what you find. She comes back the next morning, and she's so excited, and it was revolutionary. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is. In fact, it's so revolutionary. The summer guild this summer, mm. it's the theme of our guild. Unexplainable increase. Wow. Well, it's in the Bible. It's not like it's me finding it. <laughs> yeah, but no, but, uh, you had to find who it. Who else has seen that? You know, no. it's no. really cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And that's and that's why the, the, somebody said the Bible is the only book that reads you. Mm. Ooh. You know, and it does. It there's no book like the Bible. I mean, people have been seeing things, new uh-huh. things, you know, for centuries, for millennia. And uh, yeah. Before yeah. we get into Luke, you said something in class that blew me away. Mm. You said words cannot be defined apart from something. Words don't. Words don't have meaning. Uh, words don't have literal meaning. Wor- words get their meaning from context. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, when the, the first time I ever heard that, I just thought that was the most liberal, radical, stupid thing I'd really? ever heard. Of. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> my whole life, the pastor had been saying, the literal meaning of this word right. is that. Mm-hmm. Well, words, words don't have literal meaning. Mm-hmm. They get their meaning from context. Yeah. So I'll say to you, what is the literal meaning of the word key, K-E-Y? Yeah. You don't know until mm-hmm. I tell you the context. Mm-hmm. It's the key idea. It's the thing I opened the door with. It's, you know, it's the low island. Mm-hmm. What was that other word you, you used as an illustration? Well, cleave yeah. is a word that means two Just, opposite things. It means to stick two things together, but it also means to cut two things apart. Yeah, right. You know, wor- mm-hmm. words are just more complicated than to say the literal meaning is mm-hmm. this. That's a vast oversimplification. Mm-hmm. Language doesn't work that way. Which probably that was really cool for you when you were sharing in class this morning about Greek had like 10,000 words. Yeah. And then Hebrew had like 200. Yeah. And so Nicole. for for that point you just said, like it would make a lot more sense if you need the context to understand the minimal amount of words that Hebrew has. Yeah. Yeah. It does, it, it does help. But it, it also helps you to appreciate Hebrew because I know people mm-hmm. who say, well, Greek is better because, you know, there are five words for love and there's two words for different ways to cry and there's all these different words. And then you'll have one word in Hebrew. Well, chesed is translated 169 different ways in five different English translations. God's, one word. God's loving kindness. Well, that Merciful. word was invented in that word was <laughs> oh, invented brother. by Miles Coverdale in 1535 <laughs> to translate the word hesed. That word was made up trying to translate this untranslatable yeah. word. 
So, but but in some in in Leviticus, Hesed means disgrace. Yeah, I don't get it Crazy. because of the context, yeah. right? Because of the context, yeah. So mm-hmm. it, it's yeah, I love the way language works. But okay, I, so I am as I am as fundamentalist, I'm as pointy-headed <laughs> fundamentalist as you can possibly imagine, <laughs> listeners. I am not a liberal. So tr- <laughs> trust me, words words get their meaning from context. But the reason that I love Hebrew much more than Greek wasn't because of the way you guys just described it. It was because when I took my exams in seminary. I only had 200 words to memorize in Hebrew. Ding, ding. <laughs> there you go. That's true. And, and, and therefore, therefore, I think it's much more important if you're going to be serious. I mean, you need to handle both languages. But I think it's more important that you handle some Hebrew because yeah, absolutely. Greek is so precise. The, the translations don't vary much. But right. you'll read a Hebrew translation. That's and, completely, And yeah. one verse will be completely yeah, different than another one. Absolutely. And you go, and, and why is that? Because the translator looked at the context and said, well, no, that word must mean this in that context. Yeah. And, and Hebrew is two-thirds of the Bible. Yeah. You know, there you go. New Testament's one-third of the Bible. So we might as well study the majority of the Bible, right. you know, which is Hebrew. And, and people look at it, oh, the, the, you know, it's, it's right to left and that different alphabet. Mm. You learn the alphabet in 30 minutes, okay? Yeah. We, we're going to get past <laughs> that really quick. And Mike, so the two of us have studied Hebrew for years. It's it's beautiful, isn't it? Isn't, it is. It's so beautiful. Yeah, and it's the only language that's ever been reborn. You know, it was the dead language, right? Mm. And it was brought back to life again. Masoretes and so yeah. forth. Okay, here we go. So we've we've talked about Matthew. We've talked <clears throat> Mark. Talked about Matthew, and now we're going to get to Doctor Luke. Luke. What makes Doctor Luke so? And Doctor Luke, he wasn't even around during the time of Christ, was he? Well, he's not an eyewitness. No, he tells okay. us that. And uh, and he writes more of the New Testament than anybody else. Pa- uh, Paul writes twenty four percent. He writes twenty eight percent. I didn't realize that. Most of the New t- Luke Acts is one book. Oh, okay, that's the first. No, I know that to be true, but I've <laughs> right. never heard anyone say that before. Right. Luke, I used to think I'm crazy. No, Luke Acts is one book. <laughs> life, life situation, we believe. Of course, I can't be dogmatic. Never be dogmatic about what the Bible's not dogmatic about. I've <laughs> uh, heard that before. We think it's so Bill good. Lane taught me this. It's a cover letter for a collection of Paul's letters that were submitted at his trial. Whoa. And if you if you huh. if you understand that, then you read you read Luke and you see there's an emphasis on the innocence of Jesus and Luke that the other gospels don't have. Mm. Everyone, when you get to the trial, everyone is saying he's innocent. Pilate keeps saying he's innocent. Mm-hmm. The soldier who crucifies him says he's innocent. I mean, people keep mm-hmm. saying he's, you know, this this man is innocent. And uh, mm-hmm. okay, that makes perfect sense. Um, and and if Luke is a companion of Paul, you see uh, this reaching out to the Gentiles. That's only Luke. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what does Mary sing? You know, he, mm-hmm. he's a light to lighten the Gentiles. Or maybe Simeon sings that. But um, yeah, so the, so Luke is 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 very different, and he's just interested in different things. So, mm-hmm. from my study, I have found that he's also interested in medical things. Yeah, absolutely, he uses medical words when he doesn't need medical words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which my father was a doctor. My dad did the same thing. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So um, when uh, uh, when uh, uh, John the Baptist's father asked for a writing tablet. That's the technical term for a prescription tablet. The doctors write prescriptions yeah, interesting. on. Interesting. So he uses that's the word he knows, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the word he uses. He talks about demons convulsing. Someone had a convulsion. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Only Luke says that John the Baptist baptized for the remission of sin, and it's the same word we use for the remission of cancer. Interesting. So yeah, yeah. So, oh, cancer's in remission. That's wow. just how doctors are. Doctors, that's their world, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's very interested in Jesus' healings. He, mm-hmm. He's the only guy that talks about the guy with dropsy, which is really gross. I looked it up. Oh no. Uh, yeah. Wait, what's and, the significance of him talking about the innocence of Jesus? Well, if 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 this is a document that's been used in Paul's trial, 
Um, I want to establish the fact that Christianity is no threat to Rome. Mm-hmm. We are no threat to you. And, uh, and that's pretty much the, the perspective in Luke. And he's interested, he's interested in the Gentiles, uh, as you, you might have expect from being uh, exposed to Paul. And one of, the, one of the things of the structure of the book, mm-hmm. and you, you know, you're a structure guy, mm-hmm. and Bill, Bill said, <laughs> used to say, you need to learn to listen to structure. Mm. Well, the great central section, most of the Gospel of Luke, 10 chapters in the middle, is just the last journey to Jerusalem, begins in chapter 9, and Jesus resolutely set his face for Jerusalem, and the rest of it's a journey. Mm. Isn't it interesting that a person who traveled with Paul tells the life of Jesus as a journey? Didn't you do an album like that one time, Joy of the Journey, Join the Journey? I did a song called Join the Journey. It wasn't, yeah. oh, I did yeah. an album on Luke, too, though. I, that was oh, like cool. 1990s? I don't know. I think you were still in elementary school. So. <laughs> <laughs> did, did your mom give you that record? <laughs> Wait. I, you know, I hear a lot these days, you're my mother's favorite artist. I hear that a lot. <laughs> you'll, know, you'll know when you're done when you, they say you're my grandmother's favorite. Yeah, exactly. That's what oh, I'm no. doing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Grandma true. used to listen to you all the time. <laughs> <laughs> of course, she died 10 years ago. Okay. Oh, no. Oh, dear. Anyway, that's Luke. And then finally, John. Uh, t- John t- tends to be our favorite gospel. Why? Because we read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and they have the, basically the same outline. Then we read John, and it's 92% unique. Mm-hmm. 92% of John That's is amazing. in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which I think is just yeah. amazing. That's crazy. Yeah, it's amazing. That's why I tend to gravitate toward John all the time. Yep. You know? We do. And, and John is elegant. I mean, John has been mm. preaching and teaching these things for 50 years. So they're little snatches of sermons. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the oh, cool. Oh, there's the sermonic blocks all through John. Huh. Often they're 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 in red letters, and and the translators yeah. mistakenly think yeah. it's Jesus like, talking. Like for God so loved the world. Oh, that's John. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. Yeah. And in that, John will say something like, "This is the verdict. Light has come into the world." That's preaching. Yeah. That's not Jesus <laughs> yeah. talking. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's one of the uniquenesses of John, and it's just it's just elegant. Because he has had all this time to think about it, and he's been preaching about it. And uh, How about when yeah. John and Peter rush to the tomb, and Peter gets there before him, but Peter doesn't go in. But then, no, John gets there before him, right? Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and then Peter walks okay, in. Okay, I'm right. 90 years old. I'm writing this story. He hasn't outrun anybody in a long time. <laughs> he's bragging. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, they were running. <laughs> And the young rabbi, yeah. he outran Peter. You know, awesome. yeah, he had he hadn't outrun anybody in a long time. So, yeah, he says something similar to what yeah. uh, he was favorite, one of Jesus's favorites, right? When they're when he's laying on Jesus' breast. Well, he's Jesus' first cousin. Did you know oh, that? That's interesting. John and Jesus are first cousins. How do we get this? Uh, the three women who who went to the tomb, uh, they're two Marys. Mm-hmm. And then there's this third woman who's described three different ways. Now, it may be three different people. I'm not going to be dogmatic about it because mm-hmm. the Bible's not dogmatic. Mm-hmm. But she's described as Salome. Mm-hmm. That's her name. Mm-hmm. She's described as his mother's, Jesus, his mother's sister. Mm-hmm. And she, she's described as the mother of Zebedee's children. Ooh. So if you put those three things together, Jesus and John are first cousins. And James as well. Well, and that's what the girl yeah. said in yeah. class. Uh-huh. She, she held up her little hand. She really? said, well, that means James was his cousin. Too. I go, I never thought of that. <laughs> really? No, I never thought of that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they're first cousins, which mm-hmm. explains why does Jesus entrust his mother to John from the cross? Oh, and they're cousins. relatives. Right, they're cousins. Mm-hmm. Which would have been part of Scripture, too. Absolutely. The, it's the all, it family all, had to take care it of It all fits together. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. John, and those are those are looking at the details and saying, what does that detail mean? Wait, wait, wait. John now becomes the redeemer of his family. 
this passed down. The kinsman redeemer. The kinsman yeah, yeah. redeemer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And now and and he's probably 14, 15 years old. Mm. And part of my thinking is he needs Mary as much as Mary <laughs> oh, needs him. Uh, first time I've heard of this. How old? Well, if John lives to be uh, into the reign of Trajan, Trajan uh, started reigning in 98. Yeah. You know, he lives to be 100 years old. Okay. And if you do the math backwards from 98, if he's 198 and you do the math through math, math he's backwards. He's around 12, 14 years old. He's 12. When he's standing in front of the cross, he's 12, 14 years old. Whoa. Which explains a lot. He never opens his mouth. Okay. When he's with Whoa. Peter, he's always with Peter and Acts. It's always Peter and John. John never opens his mouth. Why? He's just a kid. He's a young person. Except, uh, here's one proviso what? though, in Judaism, what, what do we have? You're a child or you're a man. When do you become a man in Judaism? When you're 12. Yeah, 12. When you're 12. So, so it's, not, it's not exactly our world. We're thinking well, he's a little kid. Well, in Judaism, no, he's not a little kid. No, but that explains a lot about him leaning on Jesus' breast. Exactly. He's a kid. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, he, and they're cousins. They oh. know, you know, they have this kind of intimacy. Whoa. Yeah. It also explains him outrunning Peter. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And, and again, and when he writes it, he's almost 100 years old. And I just see this little old guy, you know, a lot like me, saying, yeah, I outran him. What do you think of that? These people are thinking. Yeah. Especially if he was the last one alive. Like, Peter wasn't going to tell him to And that's another it. good point. Everyone else has gone. Peter's been dead for 40 years. Mm-hmm. He's the last living disciple. When you read the Gospel of John, you're sitting at the feet mm-hmm. of the last living disciple of wow. Jesus. Mm-hmm. He's telling you stories that nobody else can tell you. And wasn't he also tortured toward the end? I, I, I was I was taught that he was put in a cauldron of boiling oil. Yes. I, I, yeah, mm-hmm. I've heard those things. I don't know. That's not part of my yeah, okay. my area. Yeah. But, yeah, they, I think they were all martyred except one of them. But, um, Crazy. Uh, James, his brother, was the first one to die. Beheaded. And John was the last one to die. These brothers are the bookends oh, no of way. the 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Structure. Structure. <laughs> <laughs> Found it. Not <laughs> again. Oh, Mike, this has just been just a lot of fun. Well, thanks. Thank yeah. you. You know, that's what the scriptures really should do to us. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. can you imagine, can, wait, can you imagine Sunday morning doing something like this in front of a congregation? Oh, yeah. I do it all the time. <laughs> oh, do you really? Yeah, just by myself. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now, wouldn't this be, I mean, I think people would love something like this. Yeah. To be able to sit and discuss things yeah. like this. Calvin Miller used to do wow. that at his church. He's the first church I ever went to where you, you go into church and there'd be two chairs and microphones sitting there. And he would sit there and talk to someone instead of a sermon. Yeah. Wow. And, of course, Calvin Miller was a great writer and a great speaker, yeah. 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 right? Yeah. But, uh yeah, and they would have these really cool conversations. And, yeah, I think that— that's The original podcast. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, folks, um, this is interesting. You know, this is the way the Bible has—it's been written for our our delight, our mm-hmm. joy. Yes. You know? Mm-hmm. You know? The, and it is interesting. Anybody that makes it boring— Infinitely interesting. John, what does John say? The whole world couldn't contain the books that could be written mm -hmm. about this guy. John's at a hundred; he's still really excited about all this. Mm -hmm. Okay, you said something the other day in class that will change my. It already has changed me, but it will continue to change my life forever. You said, and I'll paraphrase it: that sometimes when we read the Bible, we become too familiar. Yes, Mm. and um, and I've just started for the first time this year. Um, I try to go through the Bible in a year, but I just started the Gospels, so I'm in Matthew right now. Mm-hmm. And um, and as I started reading it, I started just noticing my speed just picking up because I've read this before. You know what the mm. next verse is going to say. Yeah. Right. And, but all mm. of a sudden, after that class, I decided, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to slow down. 
I'm going to see what I haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. And already God has extraordinarily blessed me. Yeah. That <laughs> devotion I gave this morning was a result of slowing Just down. Just listening. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, what does the Shema teach us? The best way to love God is to listen to him. The yeah. best way to love God is to listen to his mm-hmm. word. Mm-hmm. And and it is a reason, I think, for using mm-hmm. new translations. Um, Read something because, different. Yeah. you know, we talk about this. I'm, I think in NIV. Right. So when mm-hmm. I read Matthew, I know what the in NIV, I know what the next verse is going to say, yeah. especially the Gospels. Mm. And uh, you should never think you know what the Bible is about exactly. to say. Mm. Yeah. Let's see. I think in Hebrew and Greek. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Both. Well, of them. I, I say I, sometimes I listen to the Bible the way I listen to my wife. I know what she's going to say. Uh-huh. Right. Mm-hmm. So I stop listening. Mm-hmm. And and I'm right. She'll say it, and it'll be what I think. I know she's going to mm-hmm. say. Right. Mm-hmm. And same thing with the Bible. I think I know what it's going to say, but I really don't know what it's mm-hmm. going to say. So I need to love my wife by listening to her, and I need to love the Bible by listening to to wow. it. Mm-hmm. Great, great ending here. Yeah. Thanks for listening to another Fasten Like Nails, where we're really trying to make the Bible, the Word of God, mm-hmm. God's words to us, um, come alive, so we might know Him more um, intimately, mm-hmm. proclaim Him more passionately, and enjoy Him more infinitely. We we'll look forward to doing this again soon. God bless. You've been listening to Fastened Like Nails, a presentation of Lamplighter Ministries. Our mission is to make ready a people prepared for the Lord by building Christ-like character one story at a time. To learn more about our family collection of rare books, dramatic audios, or guild programs, visit lamplighter.net. To hear more podcasts, search for Fastened Like Nails wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a question you would like to submit for the Lamplighter team, Visit FastenedLikeNails.net and fill out the form. That's FastenedLikeNails.net. What if you could learn from the creative minds and talents behind Lamplighter Theater? I've never seen anything like it. This summer, Lamplighter presents the Lamplighter Guild. A week of mentoring and apprenticeship in the dramatic arts. Learn script writing, music composition, sound design, directing, and voice acting from world-class professionals. Registration for the Lamplighter Guild is limited, so sign up today at lamplighter.net. Lamplighter.net.